right, we've got those classes that Dave mentioned, including that one in Alpha, and if you have any questions about those, uh, the leaders of the, different of the two respective classes are going to be out at the Connect Point right after service, so come see us and ask questions, and you can sign up there to get more information or to say, hey, we're in, sign us up. So, hey, good morning. My name's Andy. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, um, I'm the Connections Pastor here at the church, and so today I get the privilege of talking with you guys on a subject that's actually very near and dear to my heart. This is something that I'm very passionate about, this subject. It's something that I feel like God has um, placed within my life as a personal burden and then a burden for the church as well. Today I want to talk to you about your spiritual growth plan and some of the things that we, I would love to see in the lives of the people at Connect Church that are consistent uh, to helping you grow in your relationship with God. Um, Many years ago now, Jess and I spent one of our anniversaries in Hawaii, and we'd never been to Hawaii before this point, and we did what people do. We asked around, hey, what do you do when you get to Hawaii? All we know is the stuff you see on TV and whatever, so we're going to go to the beach. We know that, but what sites do we need to see? And somebody told us, well, you need to go snorkeling, and you need to do it at Hanama Bay. Now, if you've ever been to Hanama Bay, you see it on the screen behind me there, it is a beautiful, beautiful spot on Earth. It is a, uh, uh, an old volcano, and part of it, I guess, has caved into the water or something. So, so the, the Pacific Ocean has flowed into this old ca uh, volcano. And, and so what's resulted, as you can see, it, it's almost entirely enclosed um, to, with just a little bit of water coming in, and it's this really cool effect. Because what it does is it, it, the water there is extremely calm. It's very clear, it's very calm because the wind and the waves aren't crashing in. And so if there's a good place on earth to, uh, to snorkel, which is when you're kind of floating on the water and looking down at the, the beautiful scenery underneath you, it's in Hanama Bay. So we did that and we had this exhilarating experience. It was amazing. We were like, okay, that was awesome. We gotta do that again. Uh, so a few days later, Somebody told us, oh, you got to go up to the North Shore. They got these sea turtles at this beach. And sea the North Shore is a uh, much different area. It's, less, it's, it's uh, a little more rustic. It's where a lot of the surfers on Oahu go. There's a famous surfing beach there called um, the Pipeline, the Bonsai Pipeline. And so we were somewhere in that area, and we were looking for sea turtles. And I was like, hey, I want to snorkel. Let's do this. So we went out and, and, and to, this, to this beach. And when you get to a beach, you know how this works. You, you've got some personal items that you need to kind of secure while you're out in the water, right? Usually you've got your car keys. Maybe you have a cell phone. Uh, we had a camera back then, one of those underwater cameras. And so we had that. We had some towels, uh, so, you know, a chair, things like that. And so you do what you do when you go to a beach. You, you, you secure it as best as you can and hope that the people around you are honest. And so we did this. We we secured our stuff. We even put it near a lifeguard stand so that we had that extra layer of security. With a I mean, who's going to steal something when the lifeguard is hanging right over them, right? And um, and so, Jess and I did this. We put all of our stuff in the in the the this spot, and then we went out in the water. And the thing is, we didn't know this. Um, we could kind of tell as we got out there, but the the month of October, which is when we were there, is the month when the trade winds in Hawaii are blowing extra, extra hard. And so the waters tend to be rougher. 
and they tend, the waves tend to be um, kind of violent. And it's some of the best surfing times. Sometimes the waves are too dangerous for even the surfers. But we were there on a day when it was kind of in between. It wasn't like the, the, the rocking and rolling kind of waves, but it wasn't calm at all. And we didn't know how hard it was going to be to snorkel. So we went out in the water. We secured our stuff. We go out in the water. We've got our masks on and our little snorkels there. And we're trying to float on the water. The water's doing this to us, you know, and we're just rocking with it. And so we're, we're doing our best to, to look down and see sea turtles. The water's all kicked up, so we can't really see anything. We're only in the water for probably a few minutes before I think to myself, you know, I should probably check on our stuff. So I look up from the water, and I look toward the beach, and our stuff was gone. It was gone, and I was freaking out. And I had one of those moments where I'm thinking, hey, now, this is me. I don't know if you're like this, but when things like this happen, my first thoughts, I'm not proud to say, are panicky a little bit. And so I start thinking worst case, and I start thinking, oh, great. They got the car keys. We got this rental car. They probably broke in. They probably stole the car. My wallet was in there, so my, my driver's license is now who knows where. I'm not going to be able to get on the plane in a few days because TSA is not going to let me on. I'm going to have to spend the rest of my vacation figuring out this problem. And so my mind is racing and I'm just angry at these bad guys that have stolen my stuff. And so I'm freaking out. And then I see, not only is my stuff gone, but the, 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 the lifeguard stand is gone too. These, <laughs> these criminals are desperate. They are not just out to get me. They're, this poor lifeguard, what did he do? He just, he's out there trying to save lives and keep people safe, and they're like stealing his stand so he can't do that. That's so cruel and it's so horrible. And so I, I, you know, after a few seconds of this irrational panic, I have a moment of clarity. And I'm like, wait a minute, who steals a lifeguard stand, you know? And then I'm like, looking down there, and guess, there's the lifeguard stand. And I, we get out, we walk over, and sure enough, our stuff is there. So you all have been in water before. You know the phenomenon that I experienced that, more, that day. You know what happened. I didn't even realize, see, in the moment, I had no idea what had happened to me. I had drifted probably 50 yards down the beach from where I thought I was without even knowing that that's what was going on. And see, that's the thing that happens when we drift in, in life in general. We don't even know it's happening because there is a current that pulls us away from where we thought we were and it takes us without us even realizing. See, I, I thought we were just kind of swimming around in circles looking for sea turtles and looking for, for pretty fish and stuff. But we were swimming in circles like this. You know what I mean? We were being swept away without having any idea at all. And the thing that we need to understand about drifting in life is number one, which I already mentioned, we, we don't even know it. We don't even see it unless we have our eyes on a fixed point and we can see, that's where I need to stay in line with. That's my stuff. That's the lifeguard stand. I'm going to stay right here and I'm going to resist this current that is pulling me far, far away. The other thing we need to realize about drifting is that we never drift toward something good. We always drift away from the good. We drift away from where we want to be. And this is true in every area of our lives. Think about in your finances. In your finances, when you start drifting, you don't drift towards wealth, you drift towards debt. When you drift in your health, you don't drift towards six-pack abs, you drift towards pot bellies, right? You don't drift towards being able to run a marathon, you drift towards binge-watching Netflix marathons on your couch, right? There is, you never drift towards things that are good. You drift away from the good 
towards something that is less than what you wanted. And so from a spiritual perspective, it's the same thing. We don't ever drift toward becoming like Jesus. When we drift spiritually, we drift away from becoming like Jesus. We drift towards complacency. We drift towards selfishness. We drift towards um, you know, just being a lesser version of the person we were created to be. And so in the Bible, the writers of the New Testament saw this danger, and they, they saw the churches that they were pastoring, and, and they, they wrote letters to them, and they, they warned them against this. And there are at least two times in the New Testament where writers say to the churches they're writing to, they say, be careful, there's a tendency to drift. In, in, in Colossians chapter one, Paul writes to the Colossian church. He says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you first, when you heard the good news. So, so like we sang about a little bit ago, God is the anchor, right? When the winds and the waves come, he's the anchor that keeps us uh, steadfast. It keeps us from blowing away. From, it keeps us from getting rocked, um, you know, beyond where we want to be. In Hebrews, the writer to the, um, the, that wrote the letter of the book of Hebrews said this in chapter two. He said, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. Now, here's what I've come to learn about the Bible. When God repeats himself, we better listen. When God says the same thing multiple times, it's something that we really need to pay attention to. And so when I read this, I read this as a warning that's not just for the Hebrew Christians 2,000 years ago and the Colossian Christians 2,000 years ago. This is for the Christians. The, this is for the church. This is for people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ even today. That there is this, this current that pulls us away from being like Jesus. And it pulls us into these things that we don't want to be. And, but in the Bible, there's this constant call, especially in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it, it, it's this call to be like God through obeying the law. That's kind of what God was calling his people to, obey these rules, and, and this is kind of how we have relationship. In the New Testament, it's, it's call, this call to be like Jesus, to be more like him. It's the call to discipleship. And a lot of people would define discipleship differently, but let's read it. Let's, let's, let me share my definition for you today. The call to discipleship is the call to growing in your understanding of who Jesus is so that that understanding can affect the way you live. So it's this call to, to growing in your understanding of who he is, learning more about him, learning about who he is, learning about how he functions in this world, learning about who he was 2,000 years ago when he was showing people who God is in flesh and blood here on earth, learning about him and then letting that knowledge change the way we live. See, the world needs people who look like Jesus because what happens is when we, when, we are, when we become disciples, we're not only followers of Jesus, we not only believe right, but we begin to look like him through our actions, through how we um, display ourselves in this world. And I'm telling you right now, the world needs people who look like Jesus. Jesus was, was an attractive person, not by physical you know, looks, that's not what I'm talking about. He was attractive in everything about him. People were drawn to him. If you read the Gospels, you'll see over and over he drew a crowd. And it wasn't just because he, did, he, did, he performed miracles. Some people were coming just to see the show, but other people were coming because there was something magnetic about who he was. And I think that that's what, that's what he wants from us, is to be like that so that we can draw people to him 
through the way we live. See, when I look like Jesus, I'm a better father, I'm a better husband, I'm a better employee, I'm a better neighbor, I'm a better representative. See, I, when, I'm, when I look like Jesus, I can go through hard times a lot better than I can when I'm not looking like Jesus, acting like Jesus, right? And so we have to be aware that in this call, God's plan for us is to be more like him, but when we drift, we don't drift in that direction. We drift the other way. And so that raises the question then, how do we resist the current? See, that day in the water, the only two things that I could have done to resist the current and to stay where I wanted to be in the water is to, number one, to plant myself on something firm, and then when the waves come, I've kind of got something to push against and hold myself in place. So, so standing firm, you know. Or secondly, while I'm swimming, to keep my eyes on a fixed point so that as I'm swimming, I can keep coming back to that. I can keep resisting the current as it's trying to pull me away and, um, and, and stay where I want to be. So today what I want to talk to you about for a few moments is this, 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 um, this challenge that we have to resist the current, to resist this current that pulls us away from, from being like him. And so we can't resist it unless we are intentionally working against that current, okay? If you're, if you're, not, if you're not intentional about it, you're going to be pulled away in, from looking and acting like him. And I'm not necessarily talking about pulling, being pulled away from a relationship at all. Some of you are familiar with a, a term called backsliding or whatever. If you, if you know what that is, some of you may not know what that is, but it's basically falling out of faith or whatever. And that's not necessarily what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about today is this call to be like Jesus, and we don't drift towards that, we drift the other way. So how do we get to this point where we look more like Jesus? And so I wanna ask you today, what is your spiritual growth plan? What steps are you taking personally to try to look more like Jesus? You know, not in a legalistic kind of way. There is a real fine line when I ask a question like this. Uh, people can hear that and think, oh, so, you know, I've got to do certain things to please God. I'm not talking about, there's nothing you can do to please God any more than you already do. There's nothing you can do to make him accept you more than, you are, than he already does, Right? What I'm talking about today, again, is the world needs people who look like Jesus, and the only way that happens is if we are intentional about growing to look like him through our actions. So what is your plan for spiritual growth? If I were to ask you guys that and pull a bunch of people here, I'm guessing there would be several who uh, their answer would be, well, I go to church. Well, I go to church. That's my plan. And I want to tell you this morning we love that you come to Connect Church. If this is your first time today, thank you so much, as, as our lead pastor Dave has already said, thank you so much for being here. Um, we are honored that you would spend a part of your weekend with us. If this is your home church or you've been recently coming, um, you know, we are so glad that you guys are here, that this is your home church. But I wanna tell you something. Um, Connect Church happens for one hour a week. And there are 168 hours in a week. And if you do the math, you're basically in a spiritual environment like this for about a half of 1% of your time. And that's if you attend every single week. A half of 1%. Now I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that 
church shouldn't be a part of your plan. It should absolutely be a part of your plan, but it shouldn't be the extent of your plan. You see, there have to be other things that keep you growing, that keep you focused, that keep you looking towards that fixed position so that every day of the week when you're not here, you can continue to grow and not fall into the current and drift away. So what should your spiritual growth plan look like? It should involve church. But I would say not just church attendance, but I would say church engagement. You guys don't understand the difference there, right? Attendance, you can just show up and be a bump on the log, right? And, and, and um, engagement, you know, you're, you're, you're learning, trying to sing along. You're trying to figure out what it means. You know, some of you, we're at different points. You know, some of you grew up in church, so you know what it's like to worship God and to stand and sing. Others of you, this is all new. We totally get that. We don't expect you to be where somebody else is. Uh, All we want is for everyone to be looking towards Jesus to grow in that way. And, um, And so engagement might look differently for some people than it does, but ultimately, you know, being involved in worship in some capacity. When Dave is up here speaking or one of the other pastors is up here speaking, we, we are paying attention, trying to figure out how to um, apply what's being said from the stage. And so that should very much be a part of your growth plan. Another thing is um, what I would call, some people call it devotions or quiet time. Um, basically what that looks like, some of you are familiar with this, others of you have no idea. It's basically just time that you set aside to hear from God. So you spend time praying, Lord, uh, you know, I want to communicate with you. It's like with my wife, I need to communicate with her to grow in our relationship. Um, so there's communication that happens. There's a time where you just open up the Bible and you have a Bible reading plan and the Bible reading plan kind of shows you that this is, the Bible is the picture of who God is. And so if you want to learn about who he is, that's the roadmap, right? That's what you have to learn about him. So that should be a part of it. There's another element, I would call it generosity. And this is of your time and your resources, both. So I I think a life that is lived inwardly and and, um, internally alone is a life that becomes very selfish and insular and and just not, not a great way to be. I don't think Jesus was like that. I think Jesus was generous with what he had. He was giving, you know, he, he was generous with his time. He was serving people. And I think that that's the best way to live. And that's a, a picture of God at work in my life because I can be a very selfish person. So when I'm selfless, that's not, you know, because I'm awesome. It's because God's done something in me. So all of these things should be a part of my spiritual growth plan. And there's a fourth thing that I'll show you in here in just a moment. But let's look at a verse here in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. So a few moments ago, I read to you Hebrews 2, 1, which is where the writer there said, please, church, listen, don't drift away from the truth you were taught. Don't drift away. And then he goes through this, this teaching for um, a few paragraphs. And then he comes back around to the same sort of warning. And he says in verse 12 of the third chapter. He says, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still called today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. So right there in the middle of this solution to the problem is, are these two words that we've highlighted there in yellow. The words, each other. Each other. So 
The fourth element of your discipleship plan, your spiritual growth plan, is what I would call this word fellowship, all right? Now, fellowship might sound like a churchy word for some of you because we don't use it outside of church very often or maybe Tolkien fans, you know, things like that. Like, it sounds old-fashioned. It sounds, uh, it sounds like a, a fantasy novel kind of thing. We don't use that word very often, but the way I think of fellowship, I remember somebody described it to me like this, and this is always stuck in my head. Fellowship is a lot of fellows on the same ship, right? And, and we're all moving in the same direction, and we're all working together, and we all have different functions, and we have different parts. But if you don't do your part, then, then it affects me, right? And so fellowship is this thing where we are mutually dependent on one another to be the best we can be, to, to um, be all that we can be, if I can borrow that from the United States Army. Um, <laughs> And so at Connect Church, we believe in this so much that we've created an entire portion of our, of our um, existence that we call Connect Groups. Connect Groups, some of you have heard about these. Some of you have been involved in them. Let me just kind of go over with you for a moment what Connect Groups are, and uh, I, I want to bring this to a close here in just a few moments. Connect Groups, the, the purpose statement uh, for our groups is very simply this. We exist to make friends, make disciples, and make a difference. Make friends, make, a dis- make disciples, and make a difference. So when we talk about connect groups, this is, this is the portion of this church where this kind of stuff it really happens. Let's be honest. Sunday morning is an awesome experience. Again, we're so glad you're here. But Sunday mornings, you can get lost in a crowd if you're not already connected. Some of the people who come in and they, they mingle in the hallway do that because they've met each other through kids' sports or school activities or whatever, but let's be honest, unless you're, unless you're already connected when you come in here, it can feel kind of intimidating and feel like you're alone in the middle of a bunch of people. Because Sunday mornings aren't necessarily a time where we have a, an environment to, to make friends, right? You're looking at the back of somebody's head right now. You're looking at the back of their head. You've seen the back of their head more than you've seen anyone's face so far today. And... Uh, I want you to turn around and tell the person behind you to stop staring at the back of my head. It is so weird. You're weirding me out right now. Because they're all doing it now. Now that I brought attention to it, they're like, oh, yeah, his head is kind of weird. Yeah. Bald spot. Um, So so friends, here's what I've come to find out about spiritual uh, change in my own life. It most often happens within the context of relationship. Just about every spiritual milestone that I've ever had happened with either my wife next to me, and we went through it together, or a brother, you know, going through it with me, um, you know, whatever it is, uh, other couples. Almost every milestone that I can look back on happened in that context of relationships. So we want to be intentional about providing opportunities where you can get to know people and be known. And that happens in connect groups better than it does on Sunday morning. Secondly, making disciples. Sunday morning is awesome. We have a great time to um, experience God's presence and worship him and um, and, re- and just let him know how we feel and just kind of about him and honor him through singing and things like that. We have a time to be challenged by an encouraging message and, and figure out how to apply that to our lives. But what happens when you don't know 
what David's talking about. And not just because his accent is funny either, you know? What, what, when, when he says something, you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about. But it's not because of that. It's because you're like, he said, he said something about the Bible, and I just, I don't. Now, Dave does a really good job of, of breaking things down so that nobody's left behind, in my opinion. Like, I think most people can, can try. But what happens in those times where you don't really get what we're talking about on a Sunday morning? Who do you go to? Do you, how many of you, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but do you go home? Do you ask your spouse and say, what did he mean by that? Most often, I'm guessing, we kind of just hold on to that and we're like, eh, maybe next week we'll get an answer and then we forget by next week, right? And so there's no real opportunity on a Sunday morning to say, hey, where, how, do, how do I do that? You were talking today about reading the Bible. I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know how to start reading the Bible. Do I start at the first page and then kind of move my way through, or is there a better method? And, you know, and there's all kinds of questions. So, so discipleship is that process, and, and this happens in fellowship. This happens with people along your side, and, this, and it's this process of becoming more like him, and, it's, and, and that happens better in the context. You've heard Dave say this before. Circles are better than rows, Right? Going back to the back of the head thing. You, rows are one thing. You're hearing a message from the Bible right now. But what do you do with that? You know, I'm not going to call you up this week and say, hey, you know, well, some of you I might. But, <laughs> but, you know, what did you do with what we talked about on Sunday? You know, people in my life who I'm connected to, I might do that. But that's why we need circles. We're, so we're facing each other. And so we have opportunity to ask the questions and, and, and say, I didn't get that. What did he mean by that? And, uh, and kind of discuss those things through until we, we feel like we've, we understand. All right, and then the third part is make a difference. Again, one thing that Dave uh, has said from the very beginning of Connect Church is that we are a church, uh, you know, we're here to connect our community to Christ. We are very much a church for people outside the church. Okay, we are very much unapologetically a church that wants to uh, wide open up the doors and say, "Come in, and, um, and 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 we're going to come to you, and we're going to show you God's love, you know, out in different things and whatever." But the whole point is, we want to be a church that's not just insular and only thinking of those who are already here. We want to open the doors and say, "Hey, this message." of hope, this message of restoration, this message of God's love, this is for all of you. Come in and let's, let's, let's have a party. You know, let's, let's, let's enjoy this. Um, and, so, uh, and so we don't want our connect groups to be you know, just in, insular as well. We want them to be very outward focused, always looking on Sundays, thinking, oh man, you know, we, could, we could take on another couple in our group and then looking around and thinking, you know, that couple that just started coming, they seem like they, you know, they'd fit in with our group and being inviting and, and things like that, making a difference, serving people and, and whatever. All right, so let me bring this to a close. I want to I get to the nuts and bolts here for just a moment. Uh, if you've been around Connect and you've been involved with Connect groups for any length of time, you know that what we do is we have three semesters that we do. We, I, the trimesters, I don't know what they are, but we have uh, a fall semester, which starts in September, runs through um, November. We have take the month of December off. Then we have January through April, take the month of May off. And then we do July or June and July, and then take August off. And each of the breaks are at busy seasons for many of us. And it also gives chances for on-ramps and off-ramps so people can join up with other people or new groups can start at that time. And uh, it gives people a break. And so if they need to 
step away from that group or just take a break from groups in general. It gives it kind of a natural off-ramp time as well. All right, so that's the function of them. And we're at that point where we're getting ready to kick off our fall semester of Connect Groups. And here in two weeks, not next Sunday because it's the, the five-year anniversary, but the week after that, Dave is going to start a new series um, by a, uh, that's based on a, a Bible study that we're going to enter into together. And the series is called If. I want you to take a look at this, please. What's your what if? If you stop and think about it, everything begins with if. One little if can change everything. One little if can change anything. If God is for us, then who can be against us? And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I have a simple theory. It's bold predictions backed up by bold actions that changes the course of history, that changes the trajectory of our lives. You were once an idea in the mind of Almighty God. You are God's what if. So here's the question. What's your what if? What is your one God idea? What's your God-sized dream or your God-ordained passion? God is ordering your footsteps. He's preparing good works in advance. And the God who began a good work in you, he will carry it to completion. Our only regrets at the end of our lives will be the time, the talent, and the treasure that we left on the table that we didn't give back to God. Those will be the if-onlys that will haunt us to the grave and beyond. I'm convinced of this. When everything is said and done, all that matters is hearing God say, well done, good and faithful servant. The series kicks off in two weeks, and here's what we're going to do. I want to just get very practical for just a couple minutes here, okay? Um, and we're, we're coming to a close very quickly here. This will be a four uh, to five part series, TBD, and um, we are going to ask that everybody who is in this church, everyone, if this is your church home, that every adult in this church uh, would be involved in some capacity in a group of people to go through the discussions together. So here's how that look, what this looks like. Dave will get up on Sunday morning. Dave will share a message to inspire you and get you thinking in that direction. Then we're gonna provide you through an online resource with uh, questions, and possibly some more videos similar to this one that you can use in a group context. Now, some, now uh, there are different people in this room. Many of you are already in a group, and if you are in a group, my, my, my question for you, my, my request of you, is that you continue to meet as a group, and you... Um, you join us in this study for the five weeks. Now, what we would really ask you to do is, is some of you groups meet every other week. Just for this season, for this, for this period, make a commitment to meet together all five weeks, okay? In a row to go through the study while Dave is going through the messages on Sundays. So, so we're tracking together as a church. And, and the whole theme of this series, as you heard there, is moving from living in uh, 
regrets about what things we didn't do to living in the dreams of what we can do if we really believe God is on our side. So, so that's the first thing. If you're already in a group, we ask you to do that. Secondly, if you're not in a group right now, there are probably two, uh, two groups of people here. Uh, the, first, the first group of you, you guys are relationally connected. You're not in a connect group per se, but you are relationally connected. You've got friends, you've got people that you look for in the, you know, as you're sipping your coffee and eating your donut, people you, you spend time chatting with before and after service. I'm gonna ask you to, to take a step and to ask them to join together, uh, whether it's another couple, um, a few extra, you know, another, a few people, you know, if you're single, you know, you just, people that you connect with, whatever that looks like, three, four, five, ten people, whatever it is, and just make a commitment to getting together for this five-week period to go through the questions, all right? Now, some of you, that's going to take you out of your comfort zone because you might have to go to people and initiate that, and uh, we all know how intimidating that, that possibility can be. But I'm going to ask you to take that step and find a person or a couple people that you can go through this study with, okay? So those are, that's for those of you who are already relationally connected. Now, for those of you who are here, and maybe you're newer and you don't know as many people here, or you're one of those people that I was describing earlier, you feel like in some, t- some weeks you feel lost in a crowd, there are two things we can do. We've got two resources available to you to connect you to a group that you can be a part of. Number one, uh, you can either text the word groups, make sure it's plural, groups with the S, to the number that's on the screen, and what that's gonna do is it's gonna send you a form. You can fill out the form right from your phone or your iPad or your computer, whatever it is, and you can uh, uh, submit that and let us know you're interested in joining a group, you just need some help finding the right people. The other thing you can do is be a little bit more proactive and you can go to our website and um, on our website, you'll notice that if you go up to the tab that says get connected at the top, there's a, a link there that says connect groups. If you click on the connect groups tab there, it's gonna take you to a page of active groups and um, groups that are open, groups that meet on certain days, all those kinds of things. And so you can kind of scour through that list and you can find a group that's maybe open. We have a few groups where the leaders come to me and say, hey, we've got openings. Can you send some people my way? So this is how we're gonna do it, all right? So uh, the ones that will be said to be open are ones that you can click on them and you can click a button that says request to, to join. Um, and, and here's the thing, no matter if you're meeting in this format or whatever, um, the, the one thing I would ask you, just be creative with how you can meet, okay? Sunday mornings, you know, everyone eats after service, right? Everyone eats. So maybe your group just says, hey, let's just go straight from church. Let's go get a bite to eat together and let's have the discussion over tacos or whatever, you know? Let's just have the discussion um, at Keps or wherever it is. All right, so, so get creative. If you've got any questions, if there's anything I can do to help, um, please come set up a time and we can chat about it or whatever, message me, because I really want to uh, make sure you are resourced and you feel good to go. All right, does that sound good? You guys think you can do that? So, so two weeks, you've basically, here's your commission. You've got two weeks to figure out who you're gonna meet with because the the series starts two weeks from today and we wanna hit the ground running so that, um, and then on that Sunday, we're gonna ask you to just kind of let us know who you're meeting with, um, you know, just so we can keep track. We like to track just engagement. We're not gonna do anything as far as bugging you, but if there's anything I can do to help, you know, that's why I'm here. All right, can I pray for you? Can I just pray uh, 
a blessing over you and pray that your spiritual growth plan will just begin to, to take off as you begin fellowshipping with others. Father, thank you so much for these amazing people that call Connect Church their home. God, thank you so much for the, uh, the journey that they've been on and for the, the love that, that they've found in Jesus and the love that they show you. And, and God, we just pray that they would continue to grow in this relationship. God, that they would have a plan to become more like you because the world needs more people who look like you and less people who just say, I go to church, but look like everyone else. Lord, we need, we need uh, you to, to begin to sh- uh, help us to grow in that way, to look more like you. And so, Father, we know that that happens in the context of relationships. So, Father, for those who are here this morning and they feel alone in a crowd, Father, I pray that they would find relational connections, that they would find people in this room who they can do life with, who they can um, be challenged by, who they can be there for when those people are going through a tough time. Lord, that they support each other, that they uplift each other, they, they challenge and encourage each other. And Lord, we just pray that the relationships in this place would flourish, and through that, each of us would become more and more like Jesus. We ask this all in your name, and together we say, amen.